Welcome to the Adventure Church Podcast. We're so glad you're here. We are continuing with the series, Heart of the Father, and today, Pastor CJ's message is called, To Have a Life of Joy. God's desire is for us to have a life of joy, but you need to choose it. If I have a choice, I want to choose to be joyful. How about you? We hope you enjoy this message. Hey, I'm excited about today. Because many of you hear a lot of my stories about how I came to know the Lord and what I used to be like in my BC days and how I was a mess and all these kind of things and how you heard I was at a softball tournament coming from that tournament and uh, being drunk and everything else. And then I was committed to go see my sister sing and, and I was trying to get out of it because I was all messed up. How many remember hearing those stories, right? Well, the culprit is here today. And, uh, and so, uh, uh, so, so they, they, are the ones that introduced me to the Lord, but this is my my wonderful, wonderful sister and my brother-in-law, and they are the ones that introduced me to Christ. Just stand, will you? These are the ones that introduced me to Christ, and so they're, they're the ones that introduced me to the Lord, and uh, so I, I am so thankful for them. Uh, he uh, stuck with me and even put up with my nonsense and uh, dragged me to full gospel business meeting that night, and I uh, got filled with the Holy Spirit, which I didn't even know what it was, and they, they were cracking up, and uh, they don't believe even sitting in the back row, they sit in the front row, and uh, and then I came forward, and man, I didn't know what the Holy Spirit was, and bam, I got zapped, and uh, but he he was on my softball team, and he tricked me, and uh, so he's the one, if you remember, I told you I wore his clothes, and you can see he's, he's a little bigger than I am, and I was a little smaller back then, real small, right, and uh, so I wore his clothes, and my long hair looked like a pirate and the whole works, and people were laughing when I walked in because of his clothes, and uh, so uh, anyways, here I am because of them. And so I, I am very grateful for my sister and brother-in-law uh, for being here it's because of my brother-in-law that introduced our family to Christ. So we all are all serving the Lord. And so thank you, Paul. Thank you for my sister, Gail. I love them very dearly. And we went snowmobiling yesterday. And my sister, hey, she even went with us. And so it was fun. So praise the Lord. I take all your sermon notes now. And it says on there, the heart of the Father. And if you're new here today, we've been talking about the heart of the Father in our series and two weeks ago we talked about the heart of the father was to make us in his image I don't know about you, but God wants to form us, Tom, into the image of Christ. That God wants us to be more like him. People always say, well, how can people know that Jesus lives in me? Well, people can know that Jesus is in you by the fruit that you bear in your life. That the fruit that I bear in my life, people can see that there, there's evidence of Christ in me by the way I treat others, the way I act, the way I talk, the way I, my, my like, things that I do in life, my personal life. People can see Jesus in me in those things. Things. And so we talked about that Jesus wants to mold us into the very image of himself. He is the potter. You are the clay that God molds us, shapes us, breaks us into the very image of himself. So a couple of weeks ago, we talked about Jesus making us into the image. If you have your notes, it says there, you were created by God in God's image for God's glory. How many of you know that's true? That you were created by God, for God, and for his glory. That God wanted to pour himself through you, in you, and out of you so that people could 
and see Christ in you, that God created you in the very image of himself. We talked about it in Genesis chapter 1, verse 31, that he created you good and very good, that you were not leftovers, you were not a second thought, that God created you from the best and you were created in his image. And also, God created us to be more like him than anything else he made. Aren't you glad that God created you more than anything else he made? He created you above all creation, creation above all things, that you were created the very image of himself, that God made you in the image of God himself. Isn't that something? That you are in the image of God. That is so cool. But then how do we exercise or get in the shape of his image? We, we talked about this. I'm just recapping a couple of weeks. Uh, we fellowship with God. Uh, you got to spend time with God to get to know God. If you want to be shaped in the image of God, you got to spend time in his presence. To be much for God, you got to be much with God. You got to spend time with God. You see, how do you get to know one another? How do you get to get to know your spouse? You spent time with them to get to know them. And once you got to know them, you fell in love with them because they had the same interests maybe that they have, that you have, and they have. And so you got to spend time with God. To be much for God, you must be much with God. And then number two is read his word. If you want to be a leader, you got to be a reader. You got to read the word of God. David said, thy word have I hidden in thy heart that I might not sin against God. And how did David, what did he do? His word, he hid in his heart. How did he take his heart, get in his heart? He read the word. He hid the word in his heart. So he demonstrated and acted out the word. You have to read the word. It was so cool. After first service today, an individual came up to me and said, Pastor, your message challenged me. She said, I have not been reading the Word of God, but after today, your message challenged me to get back into the Word of God, to read the Word of God, to get more instruction. You know, the Bible is basic instruction before leaving earth. Bible, you have to read the Word of God. Thy word have I hidden in thy heart that I might not sin against God. That's your blueprint, your atlas for life. And number three, another thing is that obey his plans and direction. You got to obey his plans and his directions. You know what? What does it say? To obey is better than to what? Sacrifice. Why does he say obey before sacrifice? Because out of your obedience, you're going to be willing to sacrifice. You're going to be willing to let go of those things that maybe you treasure or maybe you store up or maybe you uh, idolize or whatever. You're going to be willing to sacrifice them because out of your obedience, you're going to show your love. Hey, I love you, God. I'm obedient to you. I'm willing to lay it down. So you got to follow his plans, follow his direction. Another one is this. Seek to reflect his character. How do people see Christ in you? How do they see the character of Christ in you? By reflecting his character. What is his character? Love. It's what? Forgiveness, kindness, patience. That's how you show his character. That I'm going to love. The greatest of these is love. If you have not love, you don't what? You don't know God. God is love. You got to show love. What is the greatest thing? The faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is what? Love. You got to show love. But also kindness. You got to reflect that. Forgiveness. We want to be forgiven. We all want to be forgiven. But why is it so hard that we forgive other everybody else? We want to be forgiven. But when it comes to forgiving somebody else, man, we want to judge them. We want to condemn them. We want to put them down. But that's not what it's all about. We want to be forgiven. So we need to also forgive others. That's reflecting the character of Christ. But today, I want to talk to you about a life full of joy. How many know that Jesus wants us to be full of joy? Come on, I, I don't know about you, but full of joy, man. Uh, Jamie, I love it, Jamie, power, Jamie, full of joy. That Jesus wants us to be full of joy. If you look at the acumens of joy, what does joy stand for? Jesus first, 
others second, yourself third, joy. That God wants you to be full of joy. You know that we should be the happiest people on the planet. How many of you know that's true? Jesus said in John 10, 10, the devil comes to kill, rob, and destroy. But I've come to give you life and life more abundantly, right? The Bible says in Philippians 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, he says, rejoice, rejoice. There's something about rejoicing that God wants us to be full of joy unspeakable and full of glory. Nehemiah 8.10 says, the joy of the Lord is our strength, that God wants us to be full of joy because when you're full of joy, you're motivated, you're, 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 you're compassionate, you're, you're excelling in different areas because you're happy about what you're doing. I remember some time ago, my wife and I, we pulled out the movie. How many remember the movie Cool Runnings? Jamaica has a bobsled team, right? Remember that movie, Cool Runnings, right? And uh, John Candy is the main star there, and he's the coach of the Jamaican bobsled team. And what was happening was, here he was, a bobsledder himself, and he was coaching his team from Jamaica, and these were just sporadic athletes. None of them were bobsledders or anything like that. Some were track stars, some were wrestlers, and all these different things. And he collaborated these, these athletes, and he put them together. And soon he formed them into a team, and they became a good team. And now they made it to the Olympics, and they, they're now getting ready to do the Olympic trials and the runs and all these things. And one of the athletes found out a dark secret about John Candy. How many know I'm talking about the story of the movie? They found out one of the dark secrets of John Candy. And one of the dark secrets of John Candy was that John Candy in the movie or in the Olympics, he cheated. And what he did, he added weight to his bobsled. And he added weight to the bobsled to make the bobsled go faster. And so that what happened was his bobsled went faster and his time was better and great. But what happened, he was caught. And because he was caught, he was disqualified from the Olympics. And in the movie, and I quote, John Candy said that when his, one of the bobsledders from the Jamaica bobsled team asked him, why did you do what you did? Here's what he said. John Candy said in the movie, which is a true story, he said, I had to win. To win at all costs, even if it cost me to cheat. But then he goes on to say, and I, I love another phrase that he said. John Candy said to the bobsledder, he said this, I've learned something. If I was not happy without a gold medal, he said, I will never be happy with one either. In other words, he said, you know what? It's not in the gold medal or, or even without a gold medal. In other words, he was saying that that's not going to fulfill the joy in my life. America is one of the most blessed countries in the world. How many can relate to what I'm saying? Man, we just took a team to Mexico, and we did the missions trip, the tapestry ministry. And I, Man, a great place. But we went into Mexico, and then we went into some of the villages there. And boy, I'm telling you, after going to some of those less fortunate places, it really just wrenches your heart. Quinn and Lisa were there. How many years were you there? Eight, nine years? Eight or nine years? Almost seven years, okay. And they were into these places. And you know what? Kevin and, man, wasn't it something we were there? And, man, it was, it was just, it was crazy. And we saw the people that were less fortunate. But one of the things I've learned about those people that were less fortunate, they loved and they appreciated what they had. They really appreciated what they have. Even they didn't have some of the running water that we have and the amenities that we have, but they were so thankful for what they have. And I've learned something. If you have your, news, your paper there, look at The United States should be the happiest country, but look at this. Depression affects more than 19% of American adults. 
Wow. More than 19% of the American adults in our country are under a cloud of depression, heaviness, feeling defeated, feeling discouraged, maybe feeling upset, maybe feeling empty, maybe feeling this man just totally uh, useless. Another one is this, anxiety disorders affect more than 40 million or 18% of the population. Wow. And here we are, one of the most blessed countries in the world, but yet 40% or 18, 40, 40 million or 18% of the population. I thought this one was really startling to me. It says, suicide rate in America has surged to the highest level in 30 years. Now look at this, and maybe this is in your category for your age group. Of those suicide rates, 63% of middle-aged women and 43% middle-aged men. Wow. Why is that? Maybe the pressures, the concerns of life, maybe the circumstances that we go through, Andy, in life have brought down and discouraged to the point of women and men wanting to take their lives. Wow. Have you ever gotten to that place of feeling that desperate? Have you ever gotten to that place where you just want to pull the plug? Just think of that. 63% to 43% has increased in men and women. The 10 richest countries in the world also have the highest rate of depression. The 10 richest countries in the world. You would think that the 10 richest countries in the world would just be like, man, the man, David and Goliath, not David and Goliath, but when you go into Numbers, Numbers, when, when Daniel went into the saw and they were going to go, Joshua and Caleb were going to go into the promised land, and they saw that the promised land was great. Man, we live in a promised land compared to other countries, right? And yet we're, man, under discouragement and defeat and depression. But look at this. The United States had the second highest rate, exceeded only by France, that we were the second highest country in the world that was under a cloud of heaviness or depression. And yet we are a country that is being able to be freely, freely able to worship Jesus, freely able to worship the Lord. You see, listen, happiness is about what happens to you. How many know that's true? When your circumstances around you are good, man, when everything's good, when the finances are good, when your car's running, when your house is this, that, and the other thing, your kids are cooperating, everything's good, guess what? You're happy, 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 right? And we base a lot of our happiness on our circumstances that are around us. So if our circumstances are good, we're singing a happy tune. But if our circumstances are bad, we're singing the blues, right? Then we look like the blues brothers. But look at it. it, 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 it it's, happiness is about what happens to you. It depends on your circumstances, your behavior, and even your attitude, your outlook in life. If your attitude is down, when you start looking down, well, guess what? You're going to start to frown. When you start looking up, you're going to start to smile. When everything you start looking down and your attitude starts to become negative and start complaining and then, man, not being thankful for what you have and being uh, ungrateful and all these things, what happens is it turns all that stuff into mess in your life. And then what happens, you lose that happiness. But joy, joy is not about happiness. Here's what joy is. Joy, it's about a relationship with the person of Jesus Christ. 
How many know that's true? That God, I have a relationship with you. And no matter what my circumstances are in life and what my lot looks like in life, I'm not going to base my joy on that. I'm going to base my joy and my relationship with you. And my relationship is established with you, God, because if you are for me, who can be against me? You are the same God yesterday, today, and forever. You never change. And therefore, God, no matter what goes on around me, God, you are a established forever. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but your word will never pass. And what is his word? That he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. What did Jesus say to God? What did God say to Moses when Moses said, who should I say sent me when I go to Pharaoh? He said, tell him I am who I am sent me. In other words, I am who I am and I change not. God doesn't change by your circumstances. God is not changed by struggles and hardships that you go through in life. He's the same God, and that's why we can have joy in knowing that God is not going to be shaken when you're under pressures and struggles of life. And therefore, we can have joy of knowing that God is for you, who can be against you, and the battle is not yours. It's the Lord's, and if God's in your battle, guess what? You're going to win in the end. Somebody say amen. And that's what joy is. It's joy of knowing that, God, you're in control. It's something you have access to, that, God, I have access to you, that, God, I don't understand, but, Lord, I know you do. But it's also something you must choose. It's a choice you must choose. Every one of us makes choices every day. You made a choice today to be here today, and I'm so grateful that you made a choice. Even though it's below zero, whatever the temperature is outside, you chose to be in church today. Thank you for being here. Let's give the Lord praise. You made it today. You made it today. Man, we had a lady today who was from Germany today, and I'm going to talk to her. She said, you're my from Germany. I said, how how are you doing? She lives in Webster now. So she's a Webster, Germany. Amen. Webster, German. She probably lives by you. Amen. But you know what? We, we can rejoice and be glad in it. Joy is a, a sure sign of the presence of God. How I many you know that's true? Joy is a surest sign of the presence of God. Why? In the presence of, Lord, of the Lord, there is what? Fullness of joy. So, man, if I'm in walking in the presence of the Lord, guess what? I'm established in his joy. If God is really the center of one's life, then being joyful is inevitable. That Chris being joyful is inevitable. That God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. I'm not basing my circumstances on my relationship with God. And my relationship with God is established because he's established. And therefore, I have joy of knowing that everything is going to be okay. You know what the enemy wants to do to the church? He wants to divide the church and get your eyes off Christ and get your eyes on all this other stuff, all this other stuff, Carla, that we get all this stuff, Rachel, on all this other stuff that, man, we get to so distracted. And then when we get our eyes on all this other stuff and all this other distraction, guess what we're doing? We're losing contact with the Lord. We're losing contact with our strength, which is in God. And so what happens is we're, we're depleting our strength. We're depleting our joy. And all of a sudden now we're carrying the baggage and the heaviness of the world when God said, fix your eyes on Jesus. Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, and I will be the glory and the lifter of your head. I will lift you up out of the muck and mire and give you a firm, firm place to face to the sand, but you got to keep your eyes focused on me, right? And so what happens so many times, we get so distracted, and when we get so distracted and keeping our eyes on God, we get overcome by the cares of this world. And then what happens, we get discouraged and defeated. I love God's greatest joy seems to be about his people. It's about you. 
that God rejoices over you. God rejoices over you each and every day, especially those that Daniel, that are following God, that are seeking the Lord, that are sold out to him, that man that are committed to God, that God rejoices. He celebrates with you. Have you ever noticed why we go to high school games? What do they have on the sideline? They have cheerleaders. And what's the role of the cheerleader? The role of the cheerleader is to stir up the crowd, to get the crowd excited, right? To get them to clap, to get them to applaud, to get them to, man, to cheer when something good happens happens. You know what? That's what God does. He rejoices over his people when he sees that you're committed, when you're totally sold out to him. God rejoices over you. He gets excited about that. So when he sees you rejoicing, when he sees you committed, Andy, he rejoices. So he says in Isaiah, watch what he says in Isaiah. Isaiah, he goes on to say in Isaiah 62, verse 5, watch this. As a young man marries a young woman. Man, isn't that, can you remember the day when you got married? Remember that? Man, when, and I remember when my wife was walking down the aisle, I had tears in my eyes, man. I was so excited. She was the most beautiful thing. She still is the most beautiful thing in my eyes. But I was so excited. She was, man, in her white dress. She had a, she had a hat on. Yeah, yeah. Leave it to my wife. Yeah. My baby. Mm, yeah. But he goes on, as a young man marries a young woman, so will your builder marry you. Who is the builder? Jesus, the architect and builder of your life, Ben, who builds you, constructs you, knows everything about you, knows every hair on your head. He knows every cell in your body. He built you. Not only he built you, but he wants to marry you. And look what he says. As a bridegroom rejoices over his bride. Look at this. Look at what God says. Kevin, this is what God does. So will your God rejoice over you. In other words, he gets excited. He rejoices. He cheers you on. Rachel, when you're committed and sold out and following him with all your heart. And when, man, when you're this man, God, I, I follow you, Lord. I'm not going to let circumstances dictate my, my, my joy. I'm not going to let circumstances dictate how happy I'm going to be. I'm going to be established in you, and I'm not going to be moved, Lord. I'm going to be firm in you because the joy of the Lord truly is my spring. All around me may be sinking sand, but Christ, you're the solid rock, and I'm going to stand on you. And when you do, God says, yeah, he's up in heaven. That's my daughter. Yeah, that's my son. Yeah, look at him. Oh, he gets excited because when he sees that you are walking over and you're conquering and you're winning, you're not giving up, and you're keeping your eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith, he gets excited. High five. That's what Jesus just did. He does that. He gets excited when you are committed and when you stay in there and you're established with God that, Greg, you're not going to let things move you on your job. And, man, when you don't get paid and when you get paid and all these things, God says, hey, I'm your provider. I'm going to take care of you. I'm going to make things happen. I'm going to make a way where there seems to be no way. And God says, listen, man, I see Greg. I see Greg. And not only do I see Greg, but I'm rejoicing over Greg. I'm proud of Greg. How many have had kids, man, you played sports? Your kids all played sports. And how many have ever sat in the stands when your kids played sports? Heather, I was there in the basketball game with your kids. Andy's man was telling me about his sons playing today uh, in basketball yesterday. They beat some big teams from Duluth. I bet you your buttons were popping, right? That's my boy. That's my boy. That's my girl. That's my girl, right? What do you think God does? God gets joy when he sees you conquering the hurdles of life. 
and he rejoices over you. Then he goes on to say again in Isaiah, Isaiah 65, verse 19. Watch this. He says, I will rejoice over Jerusalem. This is so cool. Watch this. And take delight in my people. Who is he talking about? He's talking about you. I take delight. I get excited. I get thrilled. I get overwhelmed. He says, the sound of weeping and crying will be heard in them no more. Why? Because, man, Heidi, you're committed. And I'm excited. Man, I watch you on Facebook, and it's so cool to see your sons playing basketball and your sports. It's, it's been like, like I'm living in your living room because I see all what you're talking about. You're so just such a proud mommy of your kids. I mean, this lady is so proud of you and your boys. I mean, Donnie, you guys, I'm proud of you. You love your kids. You talk about them on Facebook. Lisa, it's so cool to see what you put on there with your kids and your dog even, man. She puts her dog even on Facebook, amen. The dog's even got a happy home, Amen. But they're proud. What do you think God does when you stay in there and you don't base your relationship on, man, happiness of circumstances, but I base my relationship on God knowing that God is in control and therefore I can have joy unspeakable and full of glory. And God says, Kevin, well done. Way to go, man. Way to go. Way to go. And that's when God gets excited. And he rejoices over you, Heather. Watch Heather on Facebook. How I many, man, she reminds me of one of those men's shows on TV. Man, she's, uh, she's Heather the fixer-upper, amen? You ever see her on Facebook? Every time you see her on Facebook, she's doing something new to her home, amen? I see all you guys commenting. I did too. I'm jealous. I want her living room. I want her furniture, man. Way to go, girl. Amen. But you know what I'm saying? That's what God does. He rejoices over you. He gets excited. He says, listen, when you're in the right relationship with God, he rejoices. And it's only through that relationship that you can experience the joy in its fullness. You can't experience the fullness of God's joy if you have one foot in and one foot out. You can't have two masters. You're going to love one or hate the other. you got to be sold out for God. you got to be sold out to God. I am committed to you. In my BC days, I'm telling you, man, I wasn't man happy until I found Jesus. And they'll tell you this right here. I was kicked out of my home living with my sisters in my junior year. Man, I, all this stuff. I can go into the stories. My sister's right here to verify. Until I found Jesus, until I found Jesus, man, nothing fulfilled me. Man, I had a great job. She'll tell you I had a new car. I had a Grand Prix, man, of silver when I gave it to my sister, Janie, when I moved to North Central and all these things. I had the tiger by the tail, Bob. But there was something that was lacking in me that was a void until Paul introduced me to Jesus until I totally sold out to God. That's when I really found joy in my life. And when true joy comes is when you commit to God and say, God, I'm surrendering to you. Listen, many Christians have the righteous part down. Man, I'm going to be right standing with God. Maybe even the peace part down. Man, I got peace to pass of all understanding. But listen, but they're clueless when it comes to joy. You know, if you have joy in your heart, can I encourage you? Let your face show it. Amen. Let, the, you know, let, let your heart numb. Let your face show it. Man, it takes more muscles to frown than it does to smile. And what we need to do is, man, if you have joy in your heart, don't be afraid to show it. I remember when, uh, when we were in high school, back in, my, back in the day, and young people face this pressure all the time. 
And I, and I pray for young people. I was a youth pastor for 13 years. And young people are such categorized when they're growing up. And for you young people today, man, I feel for you. I feel for the young people. I really do. If they act crazy, they're immature. Right? If they dress different, they're weird. If they don't got the right clothes or this or that, or they talk this way or they act this way, everybody's categorized. So what happens is young people today, they live in such peer pressure that they're conformed to their environment. And yet inside, they're dying. They're dying. They're dying inside. They can't be who they really want to be because if they're this way, then they're weird. If they act this way, then they're immature. If they do that, then they're stupid. And they get labeled every time they turn around. How many know what I'm talking about? And even as adults, don't we sometimes get labeled? And we can't be who we're supposed to be when God created you fearfully and wonderfully and made you fearfully and wonderfully and perfect in his very image so that you can walk in joy, unspeakable, and full of glory. If God wanted us all to be clones, could you imagine all of us being doing the same thing? Look at the Tower of Babel. They couldn't get along. God created us differently so you can be uniquely and wonderfully made and be yourself. Don't let labels confine you and hold you back. Man, be joyful. Be who God wants you to be. Instead of rejoicing the Christian life, they seem we just endure it. Well, I'll just endure it. I'm a Christian. I'll just endure it. Instead of rejoicing, knowing that God is in control. In Romans chapter 14, verse 17 and 18, I love this verse of Scripture. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness. Look at the three things. And right standing, in other words, that's what righteousness is. Right standing, peace. Peace that passes all understanding. And joy in the Holy Spirit. Righteousness that I'm in right standing with God. And because I'm in right standing with God, I have peace that passes all understanding. And because I know who my God is and that my God is my big daddy, and if God is for me, who can be against me? He gives me joy of knowing that everything's going to be okay. You see how that works? See, Tom, because you're in right standing, you can have peace. And because you have peace, I can have joy of knowing that God's fighting my battles. He said, because of anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. I'm pleasing to God. It doesn't matter what man may think, say, or do about me. I want to please him. God, I want more of you. I want more of you. God, I don't care what man thinks, says, or does about me. I want more of you. That's all that matters. Because when I go to heaven, guess what? And I'm going to stand at the gate, and God's going to say, well done, thy good and faithful servant. Nobody's going to stand in my place. I'm not going to be able to ride on the shirt tails of someone else. It's going to be me and God. And he's going to look at me and say, well done, my good and faithful servant, or depart from me, for I never knew you. And you know what? Sometimes we're going to hear, I never knew you, because we try to please man instead of pleasing God. And our joy comes from surrendering. God, I want to please you. I want more of you. In Romans 12, verse 15, it says these words, Rejoice with those who rejoice. Mourn with those who mourn. There are many Christians who are good at weeping. You know what weeping maybe is? Not necessarily crying, but maybe complaining maybe always argumentative, maybe always upset, maybe negative. That's what weeping is. But what joy is, it means that, man, I'm going to be thankful for what I do have. Man, if you can't be thankful for what you have, don't expect something greater. 
because God is in the multiplication, and God blesses those who are thankful for what they have right now. He brings the increase, Rachel, as you're appreciative and they're thankful. Then God said, I'm going to bring another layer to Andy because he's rejoicing and thankful for where he's at. I'm going to bring him some more. I'm going to bring him to another level. How many of you ever had this happen? You've done something good for your kids. And after you've done something good for your kids, all they can do is complain. And you're like, what? I just did all this for you? And you want to do what? You want to give them the backhand of fellowship, right? Come on. Right? Isn't that sometimes what we do? Some time ago, Cheryl and I, we took our kids to Glenwood Springs, Colorado. We lived in Grand Junction, so it was about an hour and a half ride uh, for us to go to Glenwood. And we were in a transitional state. Mindy, we were in a transitional state of man, Grand Junction, which was a beautiful place, man. We had an incredible place there, great church. But God was calling us to leave there to go to Oklahoma City to allow me to do some other things that I wanted to do, to travel, to evangelize, do my own radio show, um, do a lot of different things. And so we stopped and we went to Glenwood. And on our way there, we went to a store and we brought our kids a bunch of toys. And then what we did is we took our kids to the park there in Glenwood Springs. And here we thought we'd done a good deed. Man, we thought we did a good deed, Lisa, for our kids and brought them all these toys and everything. And all they kept doing was complaining and arguing amongst each other. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit just knocked me and Cheryl upside the head. You know what he did? Holy Spirit knocked us Helen upside the head and he says, I'm trying to do a good thing in your life. And all you're doing is complaining and rejecting the blessings that I want to do by sending you to Oklahoma City. My wife and I sat at that picnic table in Glenwood Springs, Colorado, and we bawled like babies. God, forgive us. You're trying to do a good thing in our lives, and we're rejecting your blessing. And sometimes God rearranges your plans so he can get his plans out of you. And we sat there, and we cried, and we said, okay, God, we're done complaining. Our pity party is over. And you know what? We went to Oklahoma City. It was probably the greatest two and a half years, two years of our ministry. We've seen that youth group grow from 125 kids to 1,000. We did our youth group Monday through Friday. I did a radio show. I traveled all through the whole state of Colorado and a big, excuse me, Oklahoma, and did tent revivals just like Oral Roberts used to do. We used to do that every Saturday night was my night. We did it fr Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. My night was Saturday. And, man, we had this huge circus tent that was bigger than this whole complete, this whole building. And, man, we'd go into all these fairgrounds all through the state of Oklahoma. And God gave me the opportunity to do something that I would have never been able to do. And I almost missed it because I wasn't grateful and thankful for what he was trying to do. And so many times you're walking without joy in your life because maybe you're missing the blessing. Maybe you're missed the call. Maybe you're just fighting against God's will and you want your will. You see, you got to give up your will to take on his will. Isn't that exactly what Jesus did? He said, Lord, when he was hanging on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. But before he got to the cross, what did he do, Jessica? Lord, let it not be my will, but let it be your will be done. See, he had to give up his will 
to take on his will. And sometimes we have to stop fighting against God's will in our life so we can receive the fullness that he has for us. And sometimes, ever got this, ever done this, and I'm going to be preaching a series. I'm so excited about this new series. It's called Why. Why did I lose this child? Why did this happen to me? Why did I lose my, my business? Why did these things happen? I'm going to be talking about these the next coming weeks. Why? Why me, God? Ever said that before? I think we all have done that. But God wants to do something, Quinn, big in our lives. You see, listen, you and I were created for joy. And if we miss it, we will miss the reason for our existence. Oh, that's so true. Galatians 5, verse 22, he says this, the fruit of the Spirit, watch this. But the fruit of the Spirit. The Bible says in Matthew 7, verse 20, they shall know you by the fruit that you what? bear. An apple tree bears apples. An orange tree bears oranges, right? What do you bear? Here's what your tree bears, love. You see, your tree should bear love by the fruit that's in you. Your tree should bear joy. If you don't have joy, you're not going to be motivated to want to get up in the morning and go to your work if you don't like it, right? It's the same way in life. If you don't like life and you don't like your, your place in life, what do you do? You're going to have the opposite of joy is sorrow, depression, discouragement. But God wants you to have a life of joy. And the fruit of the Spirit is joy. And God wants you to walk in joy, unspeakable and full of glory. When you have joy, you're going to be, have a spring in your step. Man, you're going to have confidence. You're going to have acceleration. You're going to have motivation. You're going to have drive. Why? Because you enjoy what you're doing, and you enjoy life. Somebody say amen. But it says peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Staying in there. Don't quit. Even when things get hard. You see, listen, joy is a fruit of our relationship with Christ that others can see in us. That's how people can see. When I first became a Christian, people used to call me Tigger. Wendy the Pooh, Tigger. I used to bounce. Some of people still think I'm Tigger. Amen. I used to bounce, and that man, when I was pastoring in Watertown, South Dakota, Gail Brooks and Lexi Vetch, they used to say, Here comes Tigger. Because there's a joy in me. There's a joy unspeakable and full of glory. And when you have that in you, it's not just going to be inside of you, it's going to be expression outside of you. It's from your relationship with God. But how do you do that? You have your notes there. How to experience true joy. People say, well, pastor, how do you do that? Number one is this. I'm going to move quickly. Number one, surrender totally to God. You got to surrender totally to God. I said this story in the first service. I'll say it again. When we were pastoring in, in, in Prior Lake, we had a softball team. And you can verify this. My brother-in-law's here. You can verify it. We had a softball team, Andy. Our first two years, I kid you not, we were bad news bears. We played in this tournament, and we signed up to play in Prior Lake on Thursdays, not knowing that Thursday night, Helen, was the best league of, of the night, that Thursday night. We're in the best in the top league. What? 
We're the bad news bears. We didn't know that. We were just playing in Prior Lake. So we get killed. Our two years, we get killed. One game alone, we're playing Brian Rock Construction Company. This is the true story. One game alone, we got killed. In one inning, they scored 32 runs in one inning. No kidding. No exaggeration. I'm not exaggerating. That's how bad we were, right? Two years pass. We get in this tournament. My brother-in-law is right here to verify it. Our slogan for our team, the team that we got beat 32 runs in one inning, our slogan for that year was what, Paul? In it. See that? In it to win it. Our team, we all got together. And I mean to tell you, in two years' time, we all got together and we believed. We're in it to win it. Wasn't that right, Paul? We were in it to win it. Man, here we are getting killed by all these teams. We get in this big tournament. We're in this tournament. I mean, there's 30-some teams in this tournament. I mean to tell you, we're in this tournament. Guess what we did? We went all the way through this tournament, and we won it. You know why? Because we were totally committed you see, when you are totally surrendered to God, that's when God can fill you with his joy. You see, God doesn't want lip service. He wants heart service. He don't want partnership. He wants ownership. You have to surrender to God, that God, I don't want more of me, but I want more of you. I surrender to you, God. I take on you, Lord. I want more of you and less of me. And when we got to that place, Paul, did we not win it? You should have seen. These people were so mad at us. We were, they were fighting, wanted to fight in us, man. The third baseman for the other team, isn't it right, Paul? They were getting so mad. They were throwing balls at us. You, you should have seen because here was a clown team that now won. And not only did we win it that year, we won it the following year too. We won it the following year, and now we were these poor bad news bears. Now we're this powerhouse team, all because we were sold out. And when you are sold out to God, that's when he can begin to pour joy unspeakable and full of glory in your life. You can't have one foot in and one foot out because if you're lukewarm, he said, I'll spool you out of my mouth. You see? And that's why it says in 1 Peter 1.8, and I got to move quickly. Go ahead, Ethan or somebody. I got to move quickly. Though you have not seen him, Yet you love him. And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him and are filled with inexpressible and glorious joy. Why? It's not by sight. What is the Spirit? I walk by faith and not by sight. I walk by faith. I don't go by what I feel, what I sense, because feelings are here today and gone tomorrow. I don't base my relationship on God by what I feel today. I base my relationship what I know, that my God is the same God yesterday, today, and forever, and he's established. He'll never move. Regardless of the circumstances that go around you, he's the same God. And if he's the same God, the battle's not mine, it's his, and God's taking your battles, you're going to win. You see? Joy is determined by whether or not Jesus is at home in you and your life. Joy comes when Christ comes to live within your heart. We can't have the joy of Christ until we have the Christ of joy. Amen? If you want joy, real joy, wonderful joy, let Jesus come into your heart totally. Not halfway. Man, I don't know about you, but hey, I'm one of those guys, man, either I'm in or I'm out. I'm not halfway. Aren't you like that? Either you're in or you're out. But when it comes to our relationship with God, sometimes we got one foot in and one foot out. Why? Because maybe we've been hurt. 
Maybe you've been let down. Maybe your expectations didn't come together like you thought. So therefore, you have a hesitancy with letting God in. So therefore, you keep God at a distance. But God doesn't want to be at a distance. He wants to be embraced with you. He wants to have fellowship with you. He wants to be your bride. After all, he sings over you. He loves you. He wants to marry you. He comes to take his bride home. And very soon and very soon, he's going to come, and the trump of God's going to blow, and the dead of Christ shall rise. And then those, which is us, will meet him in the air. Woo, I don't know about you, but that gets my, I get excited about that, right? Amen? Then he goes, the last one is this. Submit to the Spirit of God. You got to submit to Him. Just God, I submit to you. 1 Thessalonians 1.6 says, Because you are imitators of us and of the Lord, you welcome the message in the midst of severe sufferings. I submit. I don't understand, God. I don't understand. And submitting means this. Submitting means letting go and letting God. Some of you have that statement on your refrigerators all over. Letting go, letting God. But do you really let go of that God? You see, you can say it, but do you really believe it? You can say it, but do you really live it? Do I really surrender and submit to God? You see, severe suffering with joy given by the Holy Spirit. God... I, I, I can't do it. In my weakness, you're made strong. You see, the Holy Spirit does not want to be a resident in your life. He wants to be the president of your life. Galatians 5.17, as we close, he says, For the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit. Ever seen that toy before, moms and dads? Stretch Armstrong? See that? Some of you are in that middle. You're in a tug of war. Until you make a decision that, God, I'm not going to be on the fence anymore. I'm not going to have one foot in and one foot out, but I'm going to be sold out to you. And when you draw that line in the sand, say, enemy, devil, is enough is enough. I will not have one foot in and one foot out. I make this decision today. I will follow Christ with all my heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit. I submit to you today. And when you get to that place in your life, that's when God will truly begin to pour in your life. He says this, and the spirit, what is contrary to the flesh? Aren't you getting tired? You're wondering why you're tired. You're wondering why you're fatigued. You wonder why you're wore out. You wonder why you're depressed because you haven't made a decision. They are in conflict with each other so that you are not to do whatever you want. It's always going to keep you in turmoil until you draw that line in the sand. I have decided to follow Jesus. No turning back. The cross before me. The world behind me. Will you stand with me today? See, God wants to fill you up. But God don't want you to be halfway. Yesterday, my brother-in-law and I, I introduced him. He likes tea like me. So I like mine hot. So I obviously, I made his hot. So when I gave it to him, he's a little wimp. Woo, that's hot. I said, good, that's good, that's good. But God either wants you hot or cold. He doesn't want you lukewarm. 
Maybe he wants to put some of you in the microwave and warm you up a little bit. And that comes by, God, I surrender today. I don't want to play games with you. I don't want to be like Monopoly, go past go all the time, have to collect $200 and then go around the board of life again. But I want a man stay with you. I want you to bow your heads with me this morning. As your heads are bowed and no one looking around, please, no one looking around. You say, Pastor, I, I need to surrender. I don't have that fullness of Lord in my life. I don't have that fullness that I should. And I need to surrender. I've been playing games with God. I'm lukewarm. I've been kind of just complacent. I don't have the fullness of joy. And I need to, man, get right with God again. I need to make my God right in my life again. I need to be sold out and surrendered and submitted to him again. If that's you, just lift your hand. Lift your hand. Yes. Yes, yes. Anyone else? Yes. Anyone else? Say, Pastor, five hands. Anyone else? Anyone else say, Pastor, I want to make it right. I want to make it right. Another hand, six. I want to make it right. I want to make it right with God. Anyone else? We'll count to three. Don't miss this call. Maybe you're on the fence and you say, Pastor, I want to make another hand, seven. I want to make it right. I want to make it right. I want to make it right. Anyone else? Two. Don't miss this call. Don't leave the same way you came. Leave changed. Three. All right, you may put them down. Will you look at me? There were seven hands that were raised today. Seven hands. Here's what I want to do. I want us all to pray this together. I want us all to pray it together and believe it like you mean it. Say, God, today, today I make it right. I draw the line in the sand. No more playing games. I make it right with you so I can have the fullness of you. Will you repeat this with me? Let's pray this together. Heavenly Father, come into my heart. Forgive me of my wrongs, my faults, and my failures. I ask, Lord Jesus, that today you become Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that I'm forgiven, I'm set free, and I'm redeemed by you. I ask Lord Jesus, today you become that Lord in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Now give the Lord praise. Amen. Now I want to encourage you. There may be someone like that lady this morning, the first service, I got to get it back into my Bible. I want to encourage you. Dig deep and you're going to find him. When you find him, you're going to experience him in a new way. God bless you. Have a great day in Jesus. Next week, Thank you for listening to this week's message from Adventure Church. If you want to keep up with all that is going on here at Adventure Church, please download our app by texting AC Siren app, all one word, to 77977 for a direct link. Or visit our website, www.adventurechurchsiren.com.